Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. A hearty welcome back to Ben Taylor, our favorite historical analyst, but one who's been watching a ton of NBA this year as well. I shouldn't talk about that like it's a change because he always has done that, but I would. <laughs> this uh, is my first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, no, I'm. Go- yeah. What, what do you want to talk about here? What, what have you been? Uh, what have you been focusing on uh, this year? Since I, I've just we do so many of these, I'm like people don't want to hear an intro. They just want to hear us talk about basketball. Uh, yeah. I I I'm like really hopped up on hoops. So um, actually, before we started recording, I I binge listened to a bunch of podcasts, and I'm like I'm trying to make a YouTube video in the background, which is much harder than they make it look. It's easier to watch YouTube than to uh, make one. So I, I mean, I guess we could start with the rookies. Yeah. No. I mean, rookies seem to be one of the more controversial topics i think number one because they go to these downtrodden teams that have no hope other than this rookie and so they put all of their hopes in them and if you are not seeing that rookie as the greatest thing since sliced bread they get a little upset about it uh but and also it's just because it's so interesting right we don't have as much information you can have a, a greater variety of opinions you know everyone knows that kevin durant is pretty good at this point in time so uh yeah i mean i, I think let me just start by asking you this question this is totally subjective but which of these players would you most want to have for the next like 13 years who's a a rookie right now okay i sent i sent a sort of clandestine tweet about this a couple weeks ago (laughs) a clandestine (laughs) tweet is is that a a dm (laughs) no that's a setting that's a setting on your twitter clandestine mode (laughs) (laughs) it's okay for me it's between luca and jaron jackson and i keep vacillating back and forth because i think i here's the short of it i think luca is a safer bet i just think he's a safer bet to if you if you kind of run the expected value of all of his outcomes to probably have a better overall career sitting here today but i man i am like coming to you right now from uh, jackson island uh, the capital uh, jaron's town i'm not sure if you've been there it's lovely the locals just call it j-town uh so (laughs) I'm like, I'm really big on uh, Jaron Jackson. So I go back and forth basically every day. Well, I think that's probably a controversial opinion for most. Luca, it's pretty easy to see how it is that he gets there, right? The, the passing continues to, to improve. Passable defense with his instincts. He gets it in a better shape. The shooting continues to be awesome. He's able to be a great pick and roll guy. If you switch him, he can take guys down in the post off the dribble. You know, he's got nice touch around the rim. Like, you could see him just becoming that offensive superstar. Jackson, I mean, number one defense is harder to rate just you got to watch a lot to determine whether a guy's good or not and part two which i i would go towards the lucas side i think it for some of the reasons that you articulated but you know i'm not sure what jackson is going to end up being offensively the numbers are good i the eye test for me is not that good with him right now he's playing power forward he's not shooting threes at all that's a huge part of what his skill set in theory was supposed to be and probably is so i think it, it and he's got these other offensive engines on his team they're not giving the ball that much but he still is scoring pretty efficiently anyway it's it's difficult to know what to make of him so why are you so excited about him Wait, let me let me before I answer okay. that, let me ask one question. When when you say eye test, I hear this term thrown out all the time. I use it myself. Sure. But I I'm, I'm recently realizing is that an aesthetic based thing or are you saying without data, without really like digging into things, when I see his offensive game, it has holes or strengths or whatever. What, when we say eye test, what are we really saying? But here? for me it's the latter. Um okay. yeah, I mean I mean you would hope 
which and I'm probably not entirely capable of doing this. There are certain guys like Jabari Parker would be one of those guys. Maybe Jamal Murray is another of guys who I just I like watching their game. I like the skill levels that they bring that I think are are uh, rarer. And so maybe I do give them a little bit too much of an extra benefit there. I try my best not to. I try to just. But generally, what I'm talking about is just all right. I'm watching the game here. I'm not looking at any stats. And I want to just see see where this guy, what I think of just watching this guy. And, you know, I mean, you're going to notice, all right, the guy just made 10 shots in a row. Like, that's going to creep in. But just sort of being like, hey, you know what? I see this guy. These are the skills that I see from him right now. Here's how I see him beating defenders. What do I think of that? You know, and so that's where I think right. he's a little lower to me because he goes left every single time. Um, he's trying to go right a little bit more. I don't think he has, like, unbelievable quickness off the dribble facing up. He can't shoot shoot a face-up jumper because his release is too low so it's always got to be a hook shot he's not like really that explosive around the rim to really go through people at this point in time i don't see him as having like a ton of moves you know he's got that great wingspan of course you know i thought that his offensive game was going to be mostly predicated on just bombing crazy deep threes like he did in that summer league game against the hawks and so you know i don't see him as a guy who is going to be able to really create a ton for you uh, as the primary guy would it would it blow your mind if I told you I think Jackson has a potentially higher ceiling, but I think it's almost impossible that he'll end up being a better offensive player than Luca. No, I, I could see that potentially. I mean, especially if he just gets with the team where it's like, okay, we're going to have you shoot 10 threes a game here and just like really do a ton of pick and pop. And then, all right, you're going to switch. Now we'll send you down in the post. That kind of a, an approach. Um, I just, I don't see him. And I think he's actually benefiting a little bit offensively with some of his inside game from playing power forward right now and just being able to beat up smaller guys whereas i don't i don't see him as a guy who's going to be able to score one-on-one against like you know guys his size essentially so so you do you do you think he's going to add see i see a guy who just turned 19 right yeah well that's that's always where it is right he's younger than all these guys and so maybe these weaknesses go away well i think and i think we can get to this if we get to sga but just the ability to add some weight to certain frames and not just weight right it's because he's already weighing in i think in the combine he was like 243 or something like that so it's not just weight it's strength it's center of gravity it's core you you know this as a former big man right it's like the ability to use your hips and your body to actually go where you want to go around the court you combine that with the seven foot five wingspan and the absolute curiosity that he may be a seven footer in the future taking like seven threes a game i don't know uh and i think you have at least the blueprint for a guy who can be like an all-star ish player on offense yeah i mean even just look at like what brooke lopez has done this year right i could see him doing that but then also having a little more ability on the offensive glass a little more ability in transition uh you know maybe a little more dynamic uh, as a role man as well i mean he doesn't quite have the explosion to just like go up and dunk on people you know i don't think he's going to provide a huge vertical spacing element um and then again you know just the fact that he can will never be able to shoot a turnaround jump shot to me is a big limitation for his post-up ability I mean, I think like the turnaround jump shot is other than for uh, like guys like Shaq who just were able to like bludgeon you right at the basket every single time. If you don't have that and you're just relying on hook shots, like hook shots are just not can't be that efficient and there's just not that much stuff you can do off of a hook shot whereas a turnaround jump shot a face-up jump shot that can set up so much more for you i think but um all right i'm rambling here but that's kind of i and i just don't think he has like the greatest feel just the greatest skill level but you know again as you mentioned i mean just turned 19 he's younger than all the all the rest of these guys in this class I and Kareem is gonna somewhere be rolling over when you talk about how you can't go very far with a hook shot, but we'll we'll leave that one. Yeah, yeah, outside. okay, we'll yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, can, count me wrong if he can make fifteen foot hook shots at, at a fifty two percent clip. Then yeah, you know uh, that's fine. I'll I'll, uh, I'll gladly reject. There's only been one guy who could even come close to doing that in NBA history, and I don't think. Lord no, I. I No, I think it's a great point because I think the things you're describing cap him as an offensive player, but it's also back to where we started the conversation. It's this idea that, well, defense is murkier or people don't pay attention to it or it's harder to really grade out. So I see a guy here in Jackson who's no matter where he goes, he's probably going to have limitations. And Luca, on the other hand, his 
defense, I mean, I keep calling it passable. I think that's what it is and probably what it will be. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll ever be able to be like a good defender, but all the emphasis is on, I, I don't I don't know if you heard this, but he scored 11 points in a row the other night. Did you hear that? Yeah, we even talked about it on our show. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's like everything about him. And, and it's, it's. Uh, I talked about this on the podcast I did about this. It's it's worthwhile, right? Like he's exciting. It's fun to talk about. Uh, I've I've been excited for him to come over and have been high on him since the the first grainy YouTube highlight I saw a few years ago. So it's all well and good, but it's there's just going to be more of an emphasis on offense. And if you partition the game to say Luca versus Jaron Jackson on offense, it's going to look more like a landslide. Yeah, and I also think Jackson and with him being in Memphis, they are running somewhat of an archaic system. Uh, he is playing the four. You know, like I think his ultimate destiny. What made us so excited about him? We haven't seen as much of that even in this rookie performance, which has still been pretty good. Right? We haven't seen him bombing threes. We haven't seen him playing center. We haven't seen him switching that much out on the floor. Um, although we've seen him show the capability for that. So you know, is he going to be used as you know? kind of the way brooke lopez is being used offensively i think he can get there um you know the ball still has to go in for him but he certainly looks very comfortable taking extremely deep three-pointers um so whereas luca okay you just give him the ball and let him go i mean there's not as long as he doesn't have a bunch of other high usage guys who aren't as efficient as him on his team using all of his shots and you know the franchise looks like it's going to be built around him so i don't think there's any concern of that too much in the future you know he's going to get the ball and he's going to sink or swim based on his talents whereas jackson I think is a little more usage dependent uh, the system that he's in so if you had to pick one of these guys you're taking uh deandre ayton for the next 10 years oh my god uh yeah no I, <laughs> what do we want to what do we want to do about him oh man um well I, and, and i thought because uh, superficially some of the numbers had actually been pretty good for him in terms of, of on off uh now nonetheless teams are shooting a great percentage at the room when he's in they're shooting a lot of shots when he's in uh, uh i think couple weeks ago he had the lowest block rate of any starting center uh and block shots are not the be all end all but they're still pretty nice to have and and are you know Mm. positively correlate with with defense so and i mean i think the bigger thing though is all right maybe you can live with all that but you know i don't see him being just like this unbelievable force offensively i think he could be a quality offensive center but i don't know that i think i see him getting into like the top five even as an offensive center yeah i mean i don't think he's jaleel okafer 2.0 or anything like that i, I think he's well, here to stay he he gets a bad rap i think because i think he, he's just never been the same after he got hurt um you know it's it's fair that's yeah. fair like i think he actually would have uh, been a solid offensive center if he if that hadn't happened like he failed yeah, a physical or, or didn't fail a physical but basically had a trade to new orleans rejected based on his medical records so that shows you that that knee is pretty jacked up but where, where were you on Aiton either before the draft or, or kind of in summer league whenever you started rolling around on these rookies were you because some people still had him like first or second on their board and then there were other people who were like you like don't even get near this guy I wasn't there, but I mean, I think I was lower on him than just about anyone. I think I had him like fifth or something. Um, I yeah, definitely, I think that's where I had him. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had Luca and Jaron Jackson and Trey Young above him for sure. Um, yeah. So I, I know I, I at a, at highest he was fourth, and I'm probably just forgetting someone off the top of my head here at, at this point. I mean, I think I think he's looked the way a lot of the experts thought he'd look. He's his offense shows some promise, right? He has like some skill and he's very physical. But my my biggest thing when I watch him and there were some scouts saying this when he was at Arizona, he just has a really poor feel for the game to me. He just struggles to even understand like his own body's relationship to where to be on the basketball court. And he gets these little happy feet. That's the one thing you can look for on the film. Like, when do I jump? Where where, where do I go? And he gets very high up on his toes. Uh, And then, you know, when he's playing pick and roll coverage, he's like, okay, he's either going to bite on an up fake or get lost in that no man's land space where you're guarding both players, but no one. He does that all the time. So, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, uh, but for the record, by the way, I think I I had him fifth. I had Michael Porter was four for me. Um, Oh, that aged well. uh, Well, we'll see. He's reportedly shooting the ball very well in uh, in workouts. Yeah, I mean, and and that was with the caveat that I didn't know what his health status was, but just based on 
what I had seen from him when he was healthy, you know, and where he could get to. Um, but yeah, so so and he was kind of down in the tier with me with Bamba, Wendell Carter. That was probably I saw those guys as all relatively comparable, I think. Um, but sorry, what, what was your initial question then? Uh, since I oh no, I was just wondering if you if you had a uh, if you had other observations about Aiton that you wanted to share. Uh, you know, not really. I mean, I think he's the thing that I've always said about him is you know he's someone who actually probably at least looks worse on the eye test versus the traditional sets because you almost kind of don't realize it when he's scoring because he's not scoring in like particularly impressive ways he's just catching the ball around the rim and finishing a lot of times and you know then you look up at the end of the game he's got like a fair number of points and rebounds um so but like not that many of those plays are particularly impressive or you know he'll he'll shoot a mid-ranger that's decent um but yeah i mean i don't think he has a great feel in terms of like moves faking guys out and then defensively he's really just atrocious in, in terms of his help defense and there are people like oh he's so young like give him time well okay maybe but number one who are the guys who had no field defensively as rookie bigs who got it eventually you know i'm not sure right. that that's a huge list i mean maybe you can think of some some guys but then also there are guys and actually bomba is a guy I'm, I'm kind of more concerned about too but if you watch jackson or you watch wendell carter you're like oh yeah it is actually possible to have show this type of feel as a rookie defensively as a big right and that's that's sort of i think the the overall question mark for Aiton is yes you can see the possibility that he could somehow become a decent defensive player he certainly has the tools but it's really hard especially if you've been playing basketball for years to just flip a switch and pick up these instincts especially at the highest level and i and i think that's just asking a lot to think that even if he's a decent or good offensive player at some point in the future that he'll be you know anything more than serviceable on defense and do you think he has the upside to be because really i think given where his defense is you need a guy who's going to be a top three offensive center in the league to justify that draft slot i mean do you think he has any chance of getting there I think it's very low, very low. Like, how would that happen if he does? I mean, is he just playing in almost shack like and just posting up right at the charge circle and just physically overwhelming guys? And then, you know, maybe he can step out and hit some threes as well, uh, you know, pick and pop for three as well. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of how, and then being a, a solid passer, I think people are a little overrating his passing. I think he's, you know, just because it's kind of like he doesn't have feel for anything else, it's like, oh, you want to focus in on his passing because that's one thing he does have a little bit of feel for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, i think he gets there i mean am i missing anything no i mean i'm i'm trying to think of historical comparisons of guys and i'm um i'm just way off in left field like uh you know thinking of guys from the aba who were you know good offensive centers who could score shoot and pass but didn't really offer anything else and it's just it's just hard to see a pathway for him to have a ceiling that's that's really high and then you get into the positional stuff as you mentioned and it's like okay he's he's basically going to be your center he's locked into that so who are you going to surround him with to make up for these shortcomings it's yeah i'm 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 not super uh psyched about his start so far maybe they could bring in uh Ristich, the guy he played with at arizona and have, have him play power forward <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right man so so we got more coming up here uh including some rookies that ben and i kind of disagree on right after this so you may have noticed that i've got a little extra verve on this podcast and certainly ben helps bring that out of me but what also brings it out of me is i'm feeling great i was exhausted last night we did the nba cast then we recorded went to bed at about one and just slept incredibly well on my helix sleep mattress because it's customized to me there's nobody else on the planet like me at least that's what the copy says (laughs) so i will choose to believe that uh so why am i gonna buy a mattress it's built for everyone else a one size fits all mattress i tried one of those years ago and it didn't work we ended up having to return it so my then girlfriend now wife who knows how our relationship would have gone if we hadn't had a a comfortable mattress that we both love we would have been a lot more irritable maybe it would have never reached the point of getting married but we're able to go on to helixsleep.com slash cap space now and fill out their two-minute sleep quiz and they designed us a custom mattress we had pretty similar preferences, but if you don't with your partner, they can even customize each side for you and your partner. And now they've even taken customized sleep to the next level with the Helix Pillow. They're fully adjustable, so you can achieve perfect comfort regardless of sleep position or body type. 
And you don't have to take my word for it. You get 100 nights to, to try out your Helix Sleep mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash capspace and you'll get up to $125 towards your mattress order. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace for up to $125 towards your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash capspace. Make sure you let them know that slash capspace URL that you came from us. So, uh, to you, I mean, you mentioned this idea. Maybe we need to elaborate a little bit more on, on Jaron Jackson as we took a break. I kind of realized we didn't get back to that of him having a higher offensive ceiling than Luca. I don't think we, we really got your explanation for like how that would happen. Oh, I was saying I think it's impossible for him to have a higher offensive ceiling, uh, or or likely impossible. It's just very hard to see that path. Okay, but the point is. The point is when you combine a, an offensive ceiling that could be like a low-level all-star player by itself. Now, some of that optimism is predicated on the league moving, continuing to move in this direction, and he's out there hitting threes, and he becomes a little more sturdy athletically, and now you have a guy who's like a 20-point-per-game score as a big. He's efficient. He rebounds. As you said, maybe he's a lob threat or something like that. You put that together, you say, okay, that in and of itself is sort of like a low-level all-star offensive guy so, like so, a, so you, but know. you don't see him as a dump it to him in the post create some offense you're so good you're gonna draw a double team type of guy you don't see him getting there no i you know i didn't see any of that from the film i saw at michigan state and i i've watched a decent amount of memphis and even though he's got a couple of those hooks right and spins i just don't think that's where his strength is going to be on that side of the court yeah I, I think we're in agreement there so let's find someone that we disagree on i think um trey young was number two on my board coming in i said that with the caveat that i thought he was going to absolutely suck this year other than his passing that has been quite prescient he has been terrible uh but you seem to think really to be lower on him and i don't want to put words in your mouth but just based on uh some of those clandestine tweets that you're so known for uh that, that uh to, to not be particularly high uh, on his potential i love the the ribbing i'm getting for the clandestine tweets when you introduced me the first time i was on the show you called me a shadowy figure <laughs> So I think it, it syncs up uh, quite well. Anyway, Trey, so I got a lot of flack for Trey, uh, relatively speaking, um, before the draft for not having him in my top five. And really? I think the, most people, the, would, that was the conventional wisdom, I think, at the time. Like, people thought that drafting him at five was, like, way higher. Like, he d had dropped down to, like, number 12 on, like, Draft Express's mock a couple of days before the draft. Yeah, you know, and this is not really, an, it's not really an insult because I'm high on J.J. Barea. But I just saw him more of that kind of player in the league with his size limitations. I was worried about his shot selection. And so it wasn't like, oh, I thought this is going to be a terrible player. But when you're up at the top of the draft, you obviously want to pick a guy who has star or superstar potential. And he had enough limitations in his game that I was concerned. Now, fast forward to where we are now, when people say, oh, you still seem lower on him or whatnot. Well, his passing is very good. I love, I, look, I want him to be successful. I love the way he plays the game. He has just the the joie de vivre and the crazy shots and all that. But he he struggles to finish against size in the paint. And maybe this is something he'll figure out. I'll, I'll, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. But the second thing is, and I've talked about this mathematically over the years, if you're shooting a lot of these shots and you're just not that accurate of a shooter, we have problems because of the opportunity cost with taking up all those possessions. Like he comes down the court and five seconds into the shot clock, he takes a 28 foot three. And what's he shooting from three? Is it low 30s or something? I mean, oh, I, he's no, going to no, normalize. No. But oh, it's much worse than that. It's right now he is. Is it still, is it still in the 20s? Um, right now, he is shooting 24.3% from downtown oh, man. on 5.5 .5 three-point attempts per game. See, I'm just giving him credit that's it's it's not going to stay at 24%. But but you know, this is reinforcing the point, right? If you take these shots and you are not that great of a shooter, like even at Oklahoma, he just that was my biggest concern. I when you watch him at Oklahoma, it looks like the guy should be shooting 48 or 52% from the college line or something. And then you look at the numbers and it's well below that. That's that's sort of the red flag for me. So I'm interested as someone who is really high on him, how you feel about A, what you've seen and B, what I just said. Yeah, the ball has to go in the basket for him, obviously. I mean, that's if he's going to shoot 30% from three, he's not going to be a good player. I mean, that, that's pretty clear. Now, if he could shoot 35% from three on the type of attempts that he takes, especially, you know, when these are half 
half-court possessions. I mean, I, I was noting yesterday on Twitter that Kevin Durant is having an all-time mid-range shooting season, uh, shooting 52% or 53% on some really, really difficult attempts. And yeah, okay, but if you can hit 35% on threes, you're doing just as well as that, right? And in the half-court, that's a pretty good number. And with that sort of difficult attempts, and then you throw in the fact that now teams have to guard him out of there, they feel like they have to double-team him, he can, that can unleash his passing game and unleash the, the short roll game, all that, I think he could be incredibly valuable. I thought he would be a great transition guy as well. But yeah, it's all predicated on being able to hit that shot at an acceptable rate. Now in college, he shot, I think, 36 37 percent there was some analysis done that the crazy deep threes really brought that number down a lot but yeah i mean this has been below even where i thought he would be the 24 percent. i mean that's just atrocious so yeah i mean and, and i would give myself a little bit of a mulligan because like figuring out whether the ball is going to go in the basket for shooters is really tough to do i mean i guess you, you maybe you felt like it, it just wasn't going to happen for him that 37 percent just you know wasn't that good no matter how difficult his attempts were in college but yeah i mean so he's gonna to have to become a better shooter now does that happen for him eventually i i don't know he's obviously quite young and he's he's dealing with a bigger change in athleticism but you know when steph curry came in albeit a couple years older than trey young you know he shot 40 percent even his first year for, from three so you could say the great shooters always are going to be you know are not going to struggle like this so what what happens in your mind if he can't make that long three and so i guess the best play right is to cut it out of his game but then then does that close off some of the lanes or angles that you think he can pressure defenses with where that has a domino effect that unlocks the passing but you can't quite you know you see what i'm saying like how, sure. how do you see it playing out yeah I, I think that it would be a problem now if he could even just make a regular three off the dribble i mean that's still pretty <laughs> pretty valuable right like uh and even if he can do more catch and shoot i mean they have no other threats on this team right now he could i mean he's got 29 percent usage and 19 percent turnovers. that's the other thing that we knew was going to be really bad i think that's a big part of why he's been so inefficient that's a big part of why atlanta as a team has been so inefficient is the turnover so i think the turnovers are going to get better um that's just you know Look, typical rookie point. yeah what you know well i want to step back and make sort of a larger point as we're talking about these rookies one of the things that you see historically is a lot of really good rookies won't have good impact numbers so the box score numbers will be decent or the shooting percentages will be decent and then when you look at their game kind of per our conversation today you you can see stuff that's there but then you go look at the impact numbers and they're terrible uh, yeah. the, the although i think that, that's right? less the case with point guards like i mean pretty much any rookie point guard who you know 19 20 year old point guard is going to be like below 50 percent true shooting that's just like it seems to happen for like pretty much every rookie point guard with very few exceptions sure 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 um so if you think about a guy like the, the one that really comes to mind is kevin durant oh yeah because he had should, terrible should we get wayne winston uh, on the podcast now <laughs> Is, is, is he going to tell us a score val uh but but when you when you looked at that right i i don't know about you it was many years ago but i felt durant had was a guy with huge upside huge ceiling and i didn't dislike his rookie year and then he had this like legendarily bad set of impact metrics across the board whether it's plus minus or box plus minus or whatever and those things start to you see it a little bit with darren fox right darren fox now i was high on darren fox when he was at kentucky and then i was getting a little nervous last year watching him so maybe you have insight into you know the fact that he just actually looked like he was going to be terrible uh i don't know but he's another one of these guys in a long line of players who has an impact sort of profile and trey has this right now trey is like at the bottom of the league in almost every impact metric yeah but I a don't lot of that's the i'm defense, ready to say though obviously i mean i think he's offensively i don't think he's that awful for, from what well I yeah but I, the the point i'm making here is that there are subtle things that happen over the course of a season with rookies fitting into a system and, and whatnot where if you look at the impact stats sometimes they drastically overstate especially if you're in a bad situation they drastically overstate where you're at so i'm not sure i would say whatever his trey's numbers are as of today that he's like the 411th best player in basketball or whatever it comes out to be uh you you mentioned the defense that's one of the biggest things that concerns me about his ceiling like the essentially the isaiah thomas effect i don't mean the pistons one i mean the celtics one of like how 
how good can a guy be if he is legitimately going to be a liability on defense yeah i, I mean to me that's like kind of first world problems with a, a rookie <laughs> right like i mean if he's if his offense is good enough that you start saying well this guy's not any good still because of his defense like that's and defense i think you you can hopefully hide a, a bad defender a little bit better than you can hide a, a bad offensive player and, and point guard is an offensive position you know so i mean the, there are kind of gradations for rookies right i mean where luca for example okay well he's helping a team win you know an around 500 team win right now i think we we can agree with that now so that's kind of step one is i mean step one is okay can you even just like put up some box score stats on a bad team step two is all right you can actually help a decent team win games step three is all right are you really gonna win have do you have few enough weaknesses that you can help a team win in the conference finals and the finals in that level of, of crucible and you know there i think there are big time questions about whether luca it can get there but i mean there's just so few good rookies who come in so few guys who even can be big offensive engines for even a mediocre team that it's kind of like all right you know when you're drafting if you even get the guy who can be a really good offensive engine for a mediocre team like he did pretty well there sure 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 and and i agree with all that but i was more thinking of how you see it going forward with trey you know let's say his offensive game comes around uh, do you do you see him still like do you see his defense being a liability permanently oh sure yeah i mean i think that's that, that's pretty good one thing that's distressing too is he's not getting any steals like he actually got steals in college and so you could kind of construct the all right steph curry you know he can make up for things with his anticipation and be a good help defender and maybe take some charges and yeah he's gonna get taken advantage of one-on-one uh but you know at least he's smart and heady and we haven't even seen that aspect from him at all you know which is probably part of why you know i think a lot of his negative defensive rpm numbers are the box score prior and and just his overall size which is a component of it as well so when you throw all those in there yeah he's going to look really bad in defensive rpm uh i'm guessing he's not last in the league in like defensive rapm depending on what system you use there i haven't actually looked at that but um yeah so no i think it's going to be a problem it's uh, i always felt that way but i just thought his his offense and more more just his offensive potential was going to be so good i mean he's definitely was a very risky prospect he's looking because the shooting is so bad like you're gonna realize more of the downside risk but i'm not ready to give up on him yet see i'd rather have shay right now than trey young yeah where do you stand on that i think most people would probably agree with you i i am not in agreement i I don't think shay just has that much upside i just love big upside prospects like I like I think Shea could be I see him as being you know a, a solid starter for a very long time I think he's got some weaknesses in his game too uh, but you know I don't see him with superstar ability whereas Trey I still think you know if everything breaks right for him he could have th- that sort of superstar ability interesting I, I'm, I'm not sure I think about him as a superstar but there are elements of Shea's game that I think oh there's a guy who could be an all-star and to, to point to one specific physical attribute i think it was sam cassell who i heard quoted on saying this uh, assistant coach with the clippers when gilgis alexander adds like 10 12 pounds whatever you add this between his size and and the broad shoulders and the way he uses angles he's very efficient with where he puts the ball where he puts his hips sure. how he gets into his drives right the the uh, he what he's saying is it's just going to unlock all kinds of stuff and i'm 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 not going to compare him in terms of where i think he'll be to penny hardaway because penny hardaway was when he was at his best one of the great offensive players we've seen in the history of the game but it's it's a little like that if you follow where i'm going right like the size to have the vision the instinct the efficiency um you could see him adding a post game he's got a beautiful stroke shooting well from three Uh, i think he was 40 percent from the college line he's 36 percent right now he's a low 80 percent free thrower even though he's still young i I just see a lot there that as i said maybe not a superstar but it's a pretty good upside yeah the reason that i i don't see as much upside from him is i don't think he's really that athletic i don't think he's explosive in a straight line or laterally or as a leaper um and i think i i don't think the three-pointer off the dribble is going to really come around for him i I think it's more likely than not that he doesn't get there as far as being able to shoot that shot and really being a threat and so i think he gets already has a pretty nice mid-range game he's got this scoop layup game which is really impressive i think he's uh could be a really nice help defender he's a little bit slower on ball i've seen him get beat 
on ball a few times but you know i i I think we can assume he'll come around to be a plus defender at a minimum so i think i see him as kind of being solid in a lot of areas i'm not sure i see him as being able to do the things that are going to draw so much defensive attention where he could really unlock all the other players be this like playmaker on steroids that that you've talked about as being like you know really at the upper end of the nba this player who's kind of come into vogue the last 10 years with the the incredible spacing that's available now man i really like when we disagree on stuff it, it doesn't do you, happen that you, often it's a well, good no, ratio i'm just 25 right? is good because no, more than that that i can't have you on the show anymore <laughs> <laughs> i'm no i'm just saturating in this um so all right one one question about that is would you say the same thing about luca in terms of physical limitations because i, I just think and i think i've talked about this before in a historical context sometimes people put too much emphasis on athleticism when it's you know size matters or angles matter or uh, your actual wingspan matters or uh, you know the quick release on your shot matter whatever it may be in that case right so with luca do you have the same concerns about his athleticism and if not what is it because shay's like a good six six maybe in change luca's apparently a good six seven close to six eight so what is it there and i would agree that luca has a higher ceiling but what's the difference for you well number one is it doesn't do with athleticism it's that three-pointer and that step back yeah yeah um and i mean you know i don't know that i see shea being able to you know maybe against smaller players he can but i don't see him as being able to be like a good iso guy whereas luca there's some and i think i like luca's post game even more than 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 i'm gonna like shea's i mean to be you know i mean shea is like you know he's gonna fill out maybe he'll be 200 pounds if he fills out at 6'6 whereas luca at 6'8 you know 240 is gonna be a, a much different animal most likely um and I think Luca's passing is more dynamic as well. Um, b- better natural touch. Uh, but it really probably the biggest thing is just a, that three-pointer and particularly that step-back three-pointer. I just, Shea is just looks so uncomfortable shooting above the break threes and particularly threes off the dribble his release is really slow i mean he might get there but it's going to take him quite a bit of time i think uh to uh if he does in fact get there whereas luca i mean to be 19 and shooting like this with this difficult of attempts is remarkable especially at his is size the, especially at his size you don't see that is the step is the step back three a double-edged sword in any way for you in the sense that you know can it get better can he like is is what if what if this is a huge thing he's relying on and it's just more stable than anything you yeah, know you see getting out like it's could even regress right right i just there's something about it that you say wow that's really impressive and it can open up a lot and if he improves it even slightly look out and then on the other hand when you watch him you're like uh he's already like stroking step back threes like james harden uh, what happens if that's it on that move is there is there more behind that so you know, I've I've been high on him. I'm all I've been on high been high on him from the beginning, and I still am. But these are the kinds of questions that uh, trickle through my head uh, when it when it comes to him. Yeah, well, I mean, I really wanted to have this discussion because we're going to do our top ten prospects in the NBA. I think next week, uh, you know, all our ranking the players under twenty three is you know we'd like to just you know basically ranking what we think their careers are going to be going forward. And so these are all really interesting questions there. I mean, and, and for Luke, I mean, I think if he can cut up his body a little bit more and get a little more explosive, that you can set up his drive game a lot more. You know, maybe that's the, the evolutionary step with that step back three pointer. Um, and but he also only has to do that step back three pointer when you know teams are switching it right i mean usually he can just go into his conventional pick and roll game and the hope is that it gets a little better finishing in the rim and a little bit better understanding of nba defense and length and stuff and can just carve guys up in conventional pick and roll defense and then he only has to go to that step back when teams are like all right well we can't guard this guy in conventional pick and roll defense we're going to switch instead that's the hope is that he won't have to be too reliant on that but uh that just it does kind of add another level and his post game too is really impressive to me I, I like that a lot too hallelujah nate hallelujah <laughs> um anybody else that you think like people aren't talking about enough in this rookie class actually no here let's tease that uh right after this so uh, ben is down in la i was down there a couple of weeks ago people there know how to dress they've got amazing sneakers down in la but you too can get the hottest new sneakers With StockX, which is a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and even handbags, millions are using StockX to find everything after it is sold out even. From the latest Yeezys, every retro Jordan, hottest new streetwear... 
They use the same principles as the stock market to make buying and selling as safe and easy as possible. And you can even look at historical price data so you can see how much an item has sold for in the past, how much it's selling for now. They've got experts that are going to verify every item and make sure that everything you buy is 100% authentic. The seller sends it to StockX, they verify it, then they send it on to you. So you don't have to worry, even if you're not an expert in this field, I certainly am not. You can buy and sell pre-owned, excellent condition luxury handbags and watches from great brands or get those awesome new sneakers. The way to get started with them is StockX.com slash Capspace. These are slash cap space. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's stockx.com slash cap space. Stockx. Now you know, and make sure you use that slash cap space URL so that they know that you came from us. All right. So before the break, we're going to talk about anybody, other rookies that are sticking out in your mind that, you know, maybe have flown under the radar a bit more. I think the only other guy that I want to mention, and we don't have to break down his game the way we have with these other guys, but Miles Bridges in Charlotte. In, in the minutes that he's played, I think he's been a really good defender. And he's so good athletically that I kind of look at a guy like that who, out of the entire rookie class, you say like, oh, that's going to be a staple. Like, that's a guy who's going to play in the league. If he could add stuff, if he could add a three-point shot, he's able to finish because he's really athletic. Um, and then just be a good defensive wing who's even potentially switchable, things like that. You know, that's really the only other guy that I have heard almost no chatter from who has looked good to me in the Charlotte games I've seen. And then he looks good in, in the metrics in my, in my own, uh, version of box plus minus, which is trying to be more independent of team context. He's in the top three with, uh, Jaron Jackson and Luca in terms of overall impact. And that's coming from his defense. So that, that's about it. Yeah. That's interesting. You're right. Nobody's been talking about him, but I mean, it's that 58% true shooting. That's pretty good. He gets on the defensive glass. 17% defensive rebounds is pretty good. He never turns it over. I mean, now, is he going to be creating a ton? Uh, I'm not sure about that. But like his two-point percent, I mean, he's been an awesome finisher around the rim. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's I think... Playing a ro- he's playing a role. He's sure. playing a role right now, and he's doing it well. And the question is, A, does how much value does that have? It obviously has some. And then, B, how much do you grow into that? Yeah, I mean, and to just be a positive contributor... Uh, on a team that's been decent for any rookie is good and not to mention a guy who is picked 12th uh, overall so i wanted to talk about another of your less clandestine tweets uh, that you had this was (laughs) actually yeah before we do that before we do that we're going to get so much flack from bulls fans if we don't acknowledge that wendell carter jr is a good looking prospect i just want to go on the record sure yeah i I think so i I mean his offense is probably sneakily been very inefficient so far and his finishing has not been that great but i mean yeah defensively really have loved his instincts i think he's he's gonna be right. a solid player for a long time and, and i've said that many times in the show so i think we're uh we're uh inoculated there a, a little bit from those criticisms perfect i gotta save my bacon <laughs> so another tweet that you had was you said you tweeted out the top seven guys and so I, that's gonna be curry i'll see if i can do it off the top of my head curry kd lebron harden ad Giannis. And who's the last guy that I'm forgetting? Durant. I think I might have said Durant already, but maybe not. You said KD or you need yeah, I might have said Yeah, okay. So, but yeah. So anyway, there's there's seven guys who are just in this tier. It's unbelievable. Doing my top 10 players in the NBA is going to be impossible this year. And so you're like, hey, two of these guys are not top five players in the NBA right now. And so that's like, that's pretty incredible to, to think about. Uh, and you, we were talking a little bit before and you're saying basically like this might be the best top end talent we've ever had in the NBA. Right. I, I, you can look at it from the perspective of the top five or top seven guys. I think those guys can stack up with almost any other great high-end season. But then to me, there's depth too, right? You keep going. It's like the top 12, the top 15, the top 18. These guys are really, really good. I, I, when I when I sent that tweet out, some of the immediate responses were like, well, you didn't even mention Russell Westbrook. That's true. I didn't even mention Russell yeah. Westbrook. Well, he, he doesn't uh, he have an argument to be in the in the top seven right now. No, not not to me, but you you realize that historically saying things like, oh, I don't know if Russell Westbrook or Nikola Jokic is a top 10 player. And then you look at the seasons they're having. Uh, it's it's we're really in rarefied air, I think. Well, all right. So here is your we'll go back 10 years ago. Here is your top seven in MVP voting in 2007-08. Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, Kevin Garnett, LeBron James, 
Dwight Howard. This is a little bit younger Dwight Howard. This is not maybe his, uh, he's, he's 22. He probably didn't really come into his own until the next year that when they made the finals. Amari Stoudemire, 31 year old Tim Duncan. Uh, and then you also would, you probably would have uh, Dirk Nowitzki, who is a little bit lower than there, kind of in the conversation for uh, that top level. Do you think these? See, the, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I I went back to my old faithful all-time player series project and tried to bust out the rankings from each season. And it's interesting because you see, you always see this. You always see a guy or two in the top ten or even the top six or five or four of the MVP voting who the narrative was there, something was there pushing them forward in the MVP voting. But when you look at the full breadth of the season, the full context, you come after the playoffs, you say like, okay, who, who was more important for Phoenix, Amari or Steve Nash? Yeah, well, and, and Nash was a little bit lower. And that, that was kind of a weird season for them too, that 07, 08 season. Yeah. Um, you know, and you had Tracy McGrady know, when, was up there too in, in in that voting, but he was that was really his last good year. He'd kind of fallen off by then. Um, right, so if you just, let's just take the, the top of that group because that was that was a pretty monstrous MVP voting year in terms of those top four you had KG Kobe uh, you had LeBron uh, Chris Paul right and then maybe who's your who's your fifth guy there well you got a handful of guys that were still playing really well Tim Duncan was really to me just kind of like exiting that sweet prime period that he had for the first 10 years of his career I I think 07 Uh, was like his last real like top five level of season yeah yeah. So, but but he's right there, uh, still having big impact. Um, Dirk, as you mentioned, is right there. Uh, compare that to the guys, the the LeBron, Curry, Durant, Giannis. Now, Hart. These guys are just like in the thick of their prime. LeBron, who knows how long he's going to be good for? It's starting to get scary, right? I, I think the top seven or eight now can probably stack up pretty well with these guys, if not better. But then the second you go down to like the 11th or 12th best player in the league, I mean, today, who are we still talking about? We're, st- we, we're still talking about guys like Westbrook or uh, Joel Embiid or Jokic or, uh, you know, whatever your whatever your flavor is. But you, you see what I'm saying? You're kind of in that range of guys who are still huge names and, and having pretty big impact. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you in part just because I think the level of overall play in the league is higher. So you're just comparing that. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to say you know, Steph Curry, a top 20 player of all time, KD, top 20 player of all time, LeBron, top 20 player of all time, those guys all still in their primes. You probably don't have that uh, in that 07, 08. So, I mean, you've got some names in there, certainly. But, I mean, of guys who are really like, you know, did anyone have like an all-time season that year? Eh, you know, probably not. I mean, that's why that was such a difficult MVP. That was really the year before LeBron started having all-time level of season. So, I certainly agree with you. If we're just, I mean, we're cherry-picking, obviously, to compare with 10 years ago, just because it's a number uh but no I, I i'm largely in agreement with you here I, I would say but i mean for for people like is there any way i mean i don't know to quantify it necessarily but maybe just to think about all right you know if these guys keep playing at this level you know someone like Giannis, for example or harden the rest of their careers um or long enough really that you've uh you know got a, enough of a prime to to kind of establish where they are as an all-time player like we've talked about before you know how are they end up being seen historically compared to some of these other years did we say Kawhi Leonard when we were that trying was the to... guy we forgot yeah 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 and uh, he just popped into my head because he's another guy who if you get enough mileage on him the way he's been playing when he's been healthy at his prime at his at his peak is going to give you uh, what another a shot at another top 30 guy let's say yeah uh Gian- Giannis is very early and it's going to be hard for me to really get a good feel of where Giannis's ceiling could take him but Giannis aside step you already said it curry durant LeBron, um, even guys like Westbrook and Harden have put together a lot of years to be top 50 kind of players. Um, who else am I am I leaving out from that big list? One more huge name. But are you talking about like from right now? Right now, yeah. Anthony Davis. That's yeah. who I'm thinking of. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with Anthony Davis, he's the kind of guy, given his two-way impact and given how young he's still, I don't know if people know this, he's still only 18. He's It's like Ben Simmons is a rookie forever and Anthony Davis doesn't age. I can't figure it out. How old is Anthony Davis? He's 25, right? Yeah. He's been, a, it's, doesn't it feel like he won that championship at Kentucky about 30 years ago? 
Yeah. Well, in some in mean, some ways, it seems like it was a long time ago. But because he's really only ever had like one remotely impactful playoff season, which was last year, it's like it's almost like he hasn't really been in New Orleans for that long. Because you think as good as he is, that he would have had we had more playoff memories by now. Yeah, that can uh, that can distort it sometimes. But I, I think he's a guy if he continues to stay healthy and continues to play this way, or even gets slightly better, he's a guy when you add it all up is another another top 15 top 20 player candidate of all time and just to have so many of those guys in the thick of their prime i mean we were we were doing 10 years back right you if we go back to 98 98 what i pulled up from 98 you had do you have the mvp voting for 98 up let me grab it real quick we can uh, this silence will get edited out as, a, as i look for it well I yeah mean, you're and, gonna have and, guys and 98 like, we've talked about was a, a little bit of an eight year for the league yeah, right? so, so here weird. here's your uh your top five uh michael jordan at 34 carl malone at 34 gary payton number three at age 29 uh yeah, Shaq well, perhaps his best season Shaq at 25 in LA and then uh Tim Duncan rookie Tim Duncan age 21 uh yeah David Robinson was still great that year totally underrated well, and, and I mean but but outside of that top five I mean you know you're not really well, getting like amazing superstar production at that point I know David Robinson was still pretty good but he wasn't you know he was still at a different point in his career than he was when he was down he was 32 already I think that 98 season that he had there is one of the most probably one of the most underrated seasons ever because he's still like he and Duncan were both fantastic and because Duncan was the new flavor and was a little sexier it's funny to say Tim Duncan was sexier but when you compare to David Robinson he was uh he got a little more hype but to your point once once you get past that top five there's a drop-off you're talking about guys like Alonzo Mourning or young Kevin Garnett or uh, 26 year old Vin Baker eighth in mvp right once you get below five in the mvp voting then it's like okay just some a couple of like homer writers like voted for you and it like bump you up from like you know 12th to 7th or something but uh right 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 grant hill actually that that was one 25 year old grant hill at that point probably was too low at that point i would say um yeah grant hill was was very good Uh, what about uh let's do one more do you have 1988 up because 88 was also a big year 88 was um bird had a huge year magic probably had his weakest year in that stretch but he was coming off the incredible 87 season jordan uh went for the mvp depoy double uh you had guys like akeem sitting there barkley yeah so i i got that yeah so you got mj bird magic barkley is your top four then you're down a little bit lower uh clyde drexler actually was fifth that's a surprise portland team didn't do much dominique and then you know those guys aren't on the same level as a as akeem and carl malone historically and then you go down to john stockton isaiah thomas 12th in mvp voting in a year in which his team made the finals that's uh it, it really is like it's so interesting this is a quick aside how everyone looks at isaiah as just this unbelievable all-time player when you know he wasn't i mean did he have a single finish in the top five in mvp voting his whole career uh i don't think so he he had his three best years when he was really dynamic earlier in the 80s before detroit started to ramp up and that's some of the sort of mismatch that people have about him they think oh here's the guy who led a team to two titles and they made a bunch of finals and well it's like no isaiah was his best before they were good he was still good but that was a team predicated on defense and balance and all these other things happening but the need in in thinking basketball i call it star counting there's just a need to give one player this incredible amount of right credit but but yet he didn't star but yet he didn't get that credit at the time anyhow so his highest finish in mvp voting was actually 1984 the the year of that classic series with uh the pistons and uh the knicks with bernard king uh yeah he actually finished fifth as a 22 year old uh in 1984 and arguably didn't really like advance as much as you would have thought from that level as a 22 year old uh, beyond there but but anyway that that's an aside just that the the rush to like talk about isaiah as a top 30 player of all time when the best he ever finished in mvp was fifth uh you know that's kind of difficult for me <laughs> like like even the people at the time and also like the the east he started the all-star game every year but you know the east guards were terrible during that period so there was really no competition at all um so anyway that that's that's a quick aside but so, should we go back to, to 88 here i kind of interrupted your thought yeah yeah absolutely i th- keep keep uh round it round out 88 for us all right so yeah so we've got mad 
Magic, Jordan, Bird. While you're uh, while you're doing that, yeah. I, I, th- I when I when I sent that tweet the other day, I think I had double checked some of the metrics. And in terms of like box plus minus over four, box plus minus over five, box plus minus over six, this current year we're on right now matches or beats any other year in those cutoffs. Meaning, you know, there are 17 guys over plus five now. That's a record or tied for a record. There are 12 guys over plus six or whatever it is. That's a record or tied for a record. So even statistically, when you size it up, and I think a lot of this has to do with health. All these guys are healthy. Knock on wood, right? We've got a healthy Kawhi. We've got Giannis. We've got a healthy AD. Um, we've got a healthy Curry. Knock on wood. And it's just like, wow, the the, the depth of this top-end talent really probably has never been matched in the history of the league. Well, we've gotten lucky with health too, right? I mean, if you just look solely among this group of players, other than LeBron, we've seen pretty much every single one of them have a season ruined by injury in the last five years. And I guess Harden would be the other one that hasn't had that happen to him. And so the odds are one of those guys at least is just going to get hurt enough that they're just not going to have the season long value, even if they're playing at an incredible rate right now. Um, so that and that's the one thing i would say but i mean I, i'm not really arguing with you i mean i think it is really just an incredible level of talent in the league right now it's why it's so awesome yeah i mean it's all the more reason why for the first time i started to watch basketball all right so last topic here this is one that you suggested we wanted to talk a little bit about whether golden state is if not more vulnerable now whether they've been brought back to the pack by just teams adjusting to them in terms of strategy and then also uh the rule changes that have happened so do you did you just want to bring that up or do you believe that that's the case well i want to talk about it because let, let me let me elaborate on it and then uh, we can get your reaction it's not just a counter to what golden state does it's some of the league-wide changes that, for instance, teams understanding, I want to cut out 22-foot two-pointers. Teams uh, borrowing and saying, okay, we're going to use more dynamic movement in offense. We're going to st- we're going to run stuff that other teams run successfully. And at the end of the day, you've got the league average offensive rating higher than it's ever been. Right now, we're at 109.6, which would be an all-time record. We've never been over 109. But And this is where the idea came from. If you go back to 2016, the Warriors... At the the offensive efficiency with them on the court with Curry on the court, excuse me, was 119 points per 100, and the league average was about 106. So you're almost 13 points better than the league average. Then Durant comes on board, and that absolute efficiency, that raw number, goes up over 121 when Curry's on the court. So, but the thing is, the league gets more efficient. So you're still only about 13 points better than the league. Last year, they were crazy. They were 123. They were 14 points better than the league. And this year, they're at 120. The league's close to 110. You're only 10 points better than the league. So the, the, the idea really comes from marginal gains, right? It's like relative to the league, if systemic changes are happening, whether it's the rules or whether it's strategy and scheme being borrowed from successful teams and it's helping other teams improve, but Golden State's edge isn't improving, then that's what's bringing them back to the pack. That's that's where the thought came from. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. There was a point earlier in the season, and it's gone down quite a bit, where I think you know Golden State had like the best offensive efficiency in the league by like six points per 100, but that has gone down quite a bit. And yeah, I was surprised, actually, to see that the numbers with Steph on the floor, because I started looking that up just as you were talking about it, are you know still unbelievable, obviously, but compared to league average, not as high as they had been. So I I think there's something to that, but I also actually think that they're in some ways in a more dominant position because there isn't another offense that I look at just more from the eye test here you know if you want to talk about the Bucks, for example you know that they're been kicking back and forth the offensive efficiency lead with the Warriors for most of the season there aren't teams in competition with them at this point that I view as just like absolutely unstoppable offensively like Toronto is very efficient but I don't think like oh man Golden State at their best defensively is just 
just gonna like not be able to stop these guys right um i think golden state with their best guys on the floor i think that they can stop milwaukee reasonably well you know milwaukee might bomb some threes and, and have some big nights on them houston was unbelievable last year but uh, houston failed to score well enough against them in the conference finals last year and there's those guys have dropped off they're not that titanic offense and now lebron isn't in cleveland anymore he with all that shooting around him he's in la they got a pretty decent team there i think they're uh they would actually be my pick right now to oppose the warriors in the west finals if the bracket breaks right uh but you know that's still not the same sort of unstoppable force lebron was shooting around him that we've seen and so well i think the league-wide offense is up i don't think like golden state as a singular offense like to me they are further ahead of the second best offense when i really think about what it's going to look like in the playoffs than i think they've ever been because some of those amazing teams that they were going against houston and cleveland now like those teams aren't threats anymore and i don't think they've been replaced by teams that are as good so so it's interesting i think that's probably spot on but as as you were walking through it i'm thinking okay what that means is they wouldn't play one of those offensive teams so they're not going up against the second or third best offense then what happens is their offensive edge over that opponent if that's still shrinking a little bit because that opponent let's say is better at taking threes instead of long range twos than they were in the past that's a little edge that's going to shrink that golden state used to have that changes the overall win probability when you factor in the defenses and the entire matchup you see what i'm saying yeah I- I guess so. It's just that I'm not like, when I look at it, I'm just not thinking like, okay, Golden State, those guys are unstoppable when they're clicking, right? I mean, we've only seen maybe like four games in the playoffs where they just haven't been able to score this entire time. And that was, you know, the Houston switching defense. But I, other than Toronto, you know, I don't, and maybe Boston, I'm not sure that there's any teams that are going to give them problems in terms of offense. And I've just, but ultimately I just feel that we've been dealing for a long time with this era of just absolutely unstoppable turbocharged offenses that team wins the championship every year and i just don't see another team like that and i think that that's kind of the the prerequisite to winning a championship has been you got to just have this ridiculous offense um you know in the regular season i think i could kind of uh, agree with you more that maybe it's not as much of an edge um but and i think golden state you know if their defense isn't quite at the level of maybe a boston or a toronto it's pretty darn close to it and so uh, that's that's where i I come up with that I guess did that answer your question or did I just start rambling in the wrong direction it was it was a lot of rambling and uh no I'm kidding it was no you answered it you answered it I'm yeah you answered it all right you want to end the podcast now then (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I think we can with uh, that definitive definitive statement um well all right let let me yeah good good sorry well no I just I I do want to end it but the only other thing I maybe wanted to circle back on was that you snuck in a minute ago you snuck in that the Lakers you think the Lakers are the pick to reach the Western Conference Finals yeah I I actually said that I said that on uh now part of that is predicated on I think they can there's a couple moves they can make to fill in some holes or just you know get guys who will help on the buyout market or whatever um but it's it that's more a statement that nobody else in the rest of the west is that sexy to me and i think just lebron playoff lebron is just going to be able to i mean you know we've seen what he does in the playoffs when he goes up against some 53 win team in the eastern conference and that's who he's going to be playing against unless he hits the warriors before the conference finals so and i'm sure you've discussed this on a on a conference breakdown so does that mean Oklahoma City is not you, you kind of don't see them as a legitimate candidate no, I think they're a legitimate candidate uh to make it to the West Finals but uh, I mean if I had to pick one team now did you if it was Lakers versus the field I would take the field I think these teams are all very similarly uh talented uh, but uh, OKC I don't think they're going to be able to score enough in the playoffs I mean with their still lack of shooting Russell Westbrook is just not as good as he used to be Paul George has never been unbelievably efficient post injury in the playoffs either um i guess he had a pretty good series against toronto that one year but you know i I don't think that he's like just like such an amazing score uh that he's gonna be able to carry a playoff offense um so i I just don't think they're gonna be able to score well enough they might get by in a defensive struggle against some of these teams but i'm uh i'm skeptical about their offense well in the legendary words of robert de niro okay 
<laughs> you feel, well, well, come on, argue back. You, you just start like you let me say my piece, and then you're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess you've said it here. Like it's uh, no, I, but uh, I, I, who, who's your pick? Man, I have not thought about that. You're putting me on the spot. Um, I like so what that I, leads I really to the liked. best predictions, though, when you haven't thought about it. <laughs> That's just the, my best takes ever come what, when I don't what, think. What, yeah, what, what are you going to do? Some research? Come on. No. Just no, seat in your pants. Go Let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were really selling me on the idea that there's no one else in the West uh, that really stands out. And so the Lakers and LeBron in a playoff series, ergo, you get them to the conference finals. I like that. But then OKC popped into my head. I think everything you said about their ability to score is for better or worse true. Um, as I alluded to recently, I think people sleep on Paul George, both both historically and just, I mean, just for the last few years, uh, even when he wasn't playing great, like when you're really capable, strong defensive guy who's six nine and interchangeable, and you can also score, he's an underrated passer. Uh, so I, I kind of look at what they have going there and I'm very intrigued by it. I, I don't think it's like, high-end championship ceiling i'm not going oh the thunder are the pick but they were the team that kind of when you said there's no one there's no one sitting there in the west they were the team that popped into my head and then of course denver is probably going to be a player although uh, the lakers and denver if they were to match up in a series it's a matchup that kind of i I think favors the lakers uh yeah yeah i don't know i think that the lakers defense to me is very vulnerable to a skilled shooting center uh or, or a great you know shoot off the dribble pick and roll guy um but uh, they've been very effective defensively when they haven't had to, i mean we saw like vucevic killed them when they got blown out in denver Jokic, they couldn't really deal with him either um so i don't know that'd be interesting but yeah i mean i don't think and Millsap is not a terrible matchup for lebron um at this point in their careers i, I think denver matches up better against the lakers than okc does all right i'll think about it <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the other one actually to me is uh, if they could just ever get healthy and get into the playoffs where they don't have to play their putrid bench as much as New Orleans. As a as a candidate to win two series? Yeah, I mean, they just like they could be so unstoppable offensively if they just get everyone get everyone healthy. And if AD could play 42 minutes, they'll be passable on defense. But don't they don't they need something else like a move or their their roster? Am I forgetting yeah. a guy who's injured? Right, their roster is just gapped. Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't have any kind of a small forward. I mean, they may end up just playing Miritich at the three if he can ever get past these ankle problems. Um, but they've also shown a willingness to use first round picks, and it's uh, it's go time with Anthony Davis. I mean, if they don't have a good season this year, he's gone likely. So they will certainly be feeling the pressure to make another move and try and pick someone up. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe i maybe i disagree on that one um and i'm not i'm saying if everyone is healthy but they're not all going to be healthy i mean that seems pretty unlikely yeah when they're playing uh tim frazier big minutes it just doesn't yeah doesn't no go well. i mean the, all right. I, and we'll say and we still have no idea what they're going to get out of alfred payton either i mean i'm sure you're given his uh putrid plus minus numbers you're probably not too high on yeah. him but i have some hopes no. that he could actually help them no that was the guy i was thinking of yeah yeah i was like wait there's another roster piece that i'm forgetting because it's so yeah. unimportant um no i'm not i'm not <laughs> it's okay we're gonna cut all this rambling at the end here this is no that's that's no not one... true we never cut anything on this show <laughs> This is raw as it gets. Um, all right. Well, this is awesome. I think we we will wrap it up. Uh, you were talking on, on your show about some uh, exciting developments with your your Patreon. You're going to start putting up all of your uh, your advanced proprietary metrics available for Patreon subscribers? Yeah, man. You know, I've been trying to do it in a better way because right now when I have uh, historical stuff or proprietary things I've used in projects, I, I share it in a big spreadsheet. And I've been trying to uh, actually get it up on the site um, and have it be dynamic and things like that. But it's a challenge because I'm I'm not an engineer, so um, it, that that's a slog. And hopefully it'll be up soon. But I think the other big thing that I said at the top is I'm I'm trying to make a YouTube videos, and hopefully hopefully by the time this airs, I'll have my first one out. It's about a a player from Toronto, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, not Morris Peterson. All right, man. Well, this was great. Thanks so much again uh, for coming on, and uh, we got it. We got to do it again. We didn't even get to like you know a third of the stuff we wanted to talk about because uh, we just get started. We here. never. It's, it's always yeah. Great. We never do. We never do. No, it was it was really fun as always, and uh, look forward to the next time. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.